Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 537. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Agent of Chaos, Lorraine Sink. Yeah, wearing a wonderful turtleneck and chain ensemble on our recording. You know what? If you're not aspiring to be a member of Lonely Island, what are you doing with your life? Honestly, super true. Lorraine, how you doing? I'm good, you know? I'm busy. Things are happening. I'm really excited. I've been working a lot on Marvel HQ that we can talk about next week, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, I'm just been rocking it out at work lately. How you doing, Ryan? What's new? My office is in chaos because I uh, did some videos with Catherine opening boxes. One of them was full of peanuts, packing peanuts. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I thought it was full of actual peanuts. I would crush it. (laughs) Honestly, would have been way better if it was real peanuts because Catherine was just like, ooh, let me break these into tiny little pieces. Are they the kind that you can put them underwater and they melt? Because those are so fulfilling. Oh, I wish. But then we opened up another box that had been packed in the garage for a while and it was full of all my old handheld consoles. So two Nintendo 3DSs, Nintendo DS, my Neo Geo Pocket Color, my Sega Genesis Nomad, which is a portable Sega Genesis that requires like 84 AA batteries or a giant power brick that was so big I had to unplug the other thing that was plugged into an outlet just to make it work. It was great. Made me so happy. (laughs) Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about this week because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel from comics, games, movies, TV, or whatever we happen to be excited about. We've got quite the lineup today because we have Mr. Dan Fink, who is a uh, Marvel muckety-muck high up on the food chain talking about some cool stuff, as well as Stephen Wacker. So first and foremost, Marvel Studios Assembled the Making of Hawkeye is now available on Disney+. Plus. If you guys don't remember, Marvel Studios Assembled is that wonderful series where they look into the making of and the behind the scenes of some of Marvel's wonderful series and Marvel Studios films. Definitely go check it out over only on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, these are wonderful for... Just getting an insight into the process. And learning more about the lore in the world, too, is always really cool. They tell you stuff that like, you would never guess from seeing the show, you know? Yeah, and it shouldn't need to be said, but just in case, go make sure you've watched all of Marvel Studios' Hawkeye before oh my God. you watch the Marvel Studios Assemble yes. episode, please. That would be great. All episodes of Marvel Studios Hawkeye are now streaming on Disney+, and you should absolutely get caught up if you have not watched them all yet. That's right. Speaking of Marvel Studios, congrats to Marvel Studios, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, as well as Spider-Man No Way Home on their Oscar nominations in the visual effects category for the 94th annual Academy Awards. All the Academy Awards were announced this week, and uh, I really hope Shang-Chi brings it home, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, The Great Protector... Mm-hmm. is sick. I mean, we did a behind-the-scenes VFX shoot talking to the visual effects supervisor for Marvel Studios, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. You should definitely go look for it on the Marvel YouTube channel or on marvel.com. Learning about how they did The Great Protector was so cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see, you know, how they used blue screens and how they, you know, had the actors, like, ride kind of like a bucking bronco machine (laughs) kind of like they do all kinds of crazy stuff and when you see it all come together it's phenomenal hell yeah 
Also something phenomenal coming this year is Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. The animated series is coming to Disney Channel Summer 2022. And this week we got some really cool stuff. We got a bunch of reveals of characters and actors who will be in the show. Lorraine, what do we got? Oh my gosh, there's so many great uh, folks. So Lunella Lafayette, aka Moon Girl, is going to be voiced by Diamond White. She, of course, is one of the smartest people in the Marvel Universe. She's a 13-year-old Lunella Lafayette, so a little bit older than she was in the comics, growing up on the Lower East Side. She's, of course, great at roller skating, gadget wielding. (laughs) She's phenomenal. And then we have Devil Dinosaur, voiced by Fred Tatashore, who we've talked to many times over the years. He voices Drax, Hulk, tons of characters. He's got a big, booming voice. He also voiced Hitmonkey from Marvel's Hitmonkey series on Hulu. He He's done just a million Marvel voices. He has a big, booming, lovely voice. And of course, he's going to play the 10-ton dinosaur, Devil Dinosaur, Moon Girl's partner in fighting crime and best friendery. So definitely that's going to be great. Adria is going to be voiced by Sashir Zameda, who you guys might know from SNL, also an old comedy friend of mine. So I'm a huge fan of her. And she's going to play Lunella's mom. James Jr. is going to be played by Jermaine Fowler. And of course, that's Lunella's dad. And then we have Mimi, who voiced by icon Alfrey Woodard is going to be Lunella's grandmother, also a Marvel alum. She was in... Marvel's Luke Cage as Mariah, if you guys have seen that series, just an absolute powerhouse of an actress. Alfred Woodard also was Miriam Sharp in Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War. So You're right. Alfred Triple Woodard, alum. Yeah, she is a friggin' legend just in general, but also a kind of like a Marvel legend, too, from crossing mm-hmm. all these different series and being a part of so many stories. We had her on Twim years ago. Oh, yeah. Just one of my favorite people to chat with. She's incredible. And I love her so much. Yeah. We also have her grandfather, Pops, is going to be played by Gary Anthony Williams. Libby Barrer is playing Casey, 13-year-old Puerto Rican Jewish powerhouse, is Moon Girl's manager and best friend. And then, of course, the Beyonder, voiced by the one and only Lawrence Fishburne. The Beyonder, of course, being a impish trickster of the great beyond in the cosmos (laughs) and there's some really phenomenal art over on marvel.com if you want to look at the character drawings the characters are like so cute i love the style of them they're really like giving me some sort of like 90s vibes in a way in the best way giving me really some good nostalgia yeah there was a great little teaser video that was put out at the end of 2021 that showed some of the Mm -hmm. animation and the vibe and great music and so that gives you a sense and then adding these character designs really amps it up Uh, and of course you mentioned Lawrence Fishburne he's also one of the producers on the show and Mm -hmm. it's it's very exciting. And also a Marvel alum. He plays Bill Foster in Marvel Studios' uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Lots of Marvel alums, baby. Hell yeah. I mean, someday everyone will have been a Marvel character in something or other, which is great. Get out of our way, Kevin Bacon. Sorry, but everything is six degrees of Marvel now. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. All right, let's move on to some game stuff because over in Marvel Contest of Champions, they've been teasing the largest threat to ever hit marvel contest of champions is just like here it's right about to uh come into the game and that means we need new blood new people and calling in the best of the best superheroes so joining the contest entering the battle realm are captain america sam wilson and misty 
night. There's some really cool gameplay footage up on Marvel.com of them. They look amazing. There's also a really wonderful Captain America, Sam Wilson, and Misty Knight date story. Oh my god, that's what I was going to call out in Marvel's voices. It's so cute. OTP, they're a really cute couple in that little-ish also. Also coming to Marvel Games, we've got Elektra, the woman without fear, who is picking up the mantle of Daredevil, and you can now pick her up for your roster in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Mm Mm-hmm. Over on the audio front, of course, we've got a new episode of Marvel's Wastelanders Black Widow. It's Chapter 6, A Very Melancholy Answer, which is available now. Let's hear a little from the episode right now. Seems like a few folks are having trouble hearing. Is it apple juice? Jordan, are people jamming? President Red Skull issued a mandatory evacuation order as a storm off the coast of East Manhattan Island has been upgraded to a Category 7 hurricane. Did you say Category 7? What were you doing with Stanley Petronella last night? I'm not part of any wheat. You are reaping what you sow. They're on to us, Panopticog. You're not doing yourself any favors by trying to ally with a potential person of interest. Some kind of revolution, an uprising in the building. Call me back ASAP. The pipes are about to explode. Keep going, Lisa. I'll be watching. It's expanding. It may get totally out of control. You're not a killer. You're quite wrong about that. You just heard the voices of Susan Sarandon as Black Widow, Nate Cordry as Jordan Temple, Melissa Gilbert as Kim, Chaston Harmon as Lisa Cartwright, Michael Imperioli as Stanley, and more. You should also go check out the bonus episode if you have a subscription to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Go check out Marvel's Beyond the Scenes with Timothy Busfield and Nate Cordry. We're going to have Nate Cordry on This Week in Marvel in just a few weeks. We had a really great chat with him, so definitely stay tuned for that here on This Week in Marvel. And of course, you can listen to the first six episodes now exclusively on the SXM app and Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And then episodes will be widely available one week later on Pandora, Stitcher, and all other major podcast platforms in the U.S. You can, of course, learn more at marvel.com slash wastelanders, or just better yet, go free and listen to it, man. Reminder again, the History of Marvel Comics Black Panther podcast series starts next week. And over on Marvel's pull list this week, we actually have on Nick Stone, who is the host of that series on the show. We are talking about one of my all-time favorite comics this week, Killmonger by any means, which if you have never read the Killmonger series, go read it right now. It's banger. I honestly like it. It is so... It's so good. It just drives me nuts how amazing it is, how emotionally devastating, action-packed. It is beautiful. It is sad. It is wonderful. It tells the story of how Killmonger became Killmonger, and it's really great. And Nick brings a ton of uh, great insight into that conversation. Also, this week we have great comics, including New Mutants 24, which going to bring you some tears. If you have any connection to sibling relationships... New Mutants will destroy you. It's so good. Avengers 53 and The Secret X-Men, which is a great, great one-shot. Super fun. So check out Marvel's pull list to learn about all the new comics this week and about that Killmonger book as well. Yeah. Also, if you're looking for something a little weightier, definitely check out Hulk Grand Design. 
The acclaimed Grand Design series is continuing next month. This one is going to be by Jim Rugg, and it's going to follow in the tradition of Ed Pisker and Tom Scholey by unfurling the full saga of the Incredible Hulk from the very beginning to the present in Hulk Grand Design. So these are really cool. Like if you want to sit down and read a character's entire history in one shot without having to parse through many, many issues and try to figure out the, the lineage and the line and all of that stuff. This is a great way to do that. Also, the art has sort of a really iconic style. It's like a big, nice, homogenous read if you want to sit down and read a sweet little comic book storybook of the whole dang story. Again, that's Hulk Grand Design, monster number one. It's going to arrive on March 30th which just so happens to be the same day that Marvel Studios' Moon Knight also hits Disney+. Plus. So two for the price of one. You're welcome. These grand design books are some of my favorite things we do. They're so cool. So good. Ed Pisker's X-Men is an all-time favorite of mine, a banger. I have the Treasury Editions on my bookshelf Mm -hmm. right now. There's little twists and turns that they do with these stories, too, that once you get to them, you're like, oh, man. And then Jim Rugg is an incredible storyteller i would suggest everybody out here who's listening if you're excited about this go search out a book called street angel that he wrote and drew it's an independent book and it is so dope it's about like i think she's 12 or 13 and she skateboards and she's just badass and fun and and jim has done a ton of great comics i'm just so excited so over the moon for this book can't wait for it moving on i was earlier talking about marvel hq which is our family friendly youtube channel which is youtube.com slash Marvel HQ. And something that I've really loved seeing is we've had some great content over there for Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends. And now Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends are doing a giveaway sampler. So from the first comic reader series, there will be a free sampler of stories based on the Disney Junior show to introduce kids to Spider-Man. This series is so cute. If you haven't gotten to watch the show over on Disney Plus or Disney Junior, Definitely try to check it out. Or if you don't have those channels or services, definitely go over to the Marvel HQ YouTube channel and watch clips and stuff. They're so cute. Um, And that's going to come out right before free comic book day. So definitely look for them at your local participating retailers. It's called Spidey and Friends Giveaway Sampler number one. And that is going to come into shops on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. It's written by Steve Bailing with art by Giovanni Regano. It's going to be super great. Of course, Spidey and his amazing friends are Spidey, Miles Morales, and Ghost Spider. And they are going to take on one of Spidey's greatest villains, Doc Ock and Green Goblin. So definitely go check that out in May. May is always a great time for Marvel. I got to say, free comic book day. We got movies coming, you know? Yeah. Catherine, my two-year-old, loves Spidey and his amazing friends so much. She loves stories. She loves being told stories. Her favorite story right now is about Rhino and his amazing friends, Doc Ock and Green Goblin, and they go and steal all the donuts in the city on Big (laughs) Donut Day. Oh, my God. It's Ryan. (laughs) Ryan is a supervillain. She did one day say, Daddy Rhino. And so I was Rhino in in one of her story requests, but I tell her the story. And for some reason, when I, one of the times I told it, I had Rhino, Green Goblin and Doc Ock walking down the street, snapping and then singing a song about donuts. And so 
that's what she asked for a lot. Talking and hanging out with toddlers is a lot of storytelling and improv work, and it's great. It's a lot of really good storytelling exercises. I feel like that's why I loved improv, because I just never grew out of like, let's play make-believe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a blast. It's a blast. Also something really, really cool, the Uncanny X-Men trading cards book coming from Abrams. Uh, Abrams... Oh. Uh, making some of our favorite cool collector books over the last couple of years. And we are celebrating this year the 30th anniversary of legendary artist Jim Lee's X-Men trading card series. And this book is going to be an annotated, digest-sized collection of the complete 1992 set, including the bonus cards. I actually have the full set in my desk right now. I bought a set at a comic convention like... 12 years ago for 10 bucks and, oh my God. and you remember Lorraine at the office we had uncut sheets of those oh yeah Jim in our trading office. cards I loved those so much if you don't know this set it was a uh, 1992 young Jim Lee was just doing so much cool stuff he oh, was the penciler so behind the big X-Men number one which was like the best-selling single issue comic book of all time millions and millions of copies of that issue sold and so he was commissioned to create art for a new set of 105 trading cards so brand new art for this entire set and you could talk to lots and lots of folks who got into marvel because of this trading card set who learned about the x-men characters oh, yeah. because of this set myself included so there's there's really great stuff in here you'll, you'll see the all the details on marvel.com but this is going to collect for the first time the front and the back of each collectible card in this set, including select scans of Jim Lee's original and digitally remastered art. It's got interviews. It's got fun stuff with Bob Budiansky, who was the editor and the writer on the set at the time, who also wrote a lot of the Transformers comics I've been reading lately. Ed Piscor is involved in this set as well. I am super duper excited. It comes out July 5th, 2022. So just go to Marvel.com. You'll see the story on the site, but it is... Friggin' cool. Go pre-order this book so we get more stuff like this. I want, I want, I want books just like this for the Marvel Universe trading cards. Series 1, 2, yeah. and 3 in particular. Series 2 is the most important series of trading cards in my life because it was so influential. It got me right at the perfect time. I want all these. So let's let's support Abrams. Make sure that they do some more of these. Heck yeah. Next up, Ryan, I know you're very excited mm. because Marvel Legends has a new wave that you are, I'm sure, very excited about. Um, it just went up for pre-order this week. There's a bone breaker build yeah. a fig wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want a gnarly Australian cyborg Batman <laughs> member of the Reavers with like a white mohawk and the bottom half of his body is a tank? Yes, of course you do. What the heck are you doing with your life? Yeah. Like that's for us. Also in the wave is Vulcan, Darwin, Furry Collar, Sabretooth, with Burning Claws, Wolverine, Siren, Old School Havoc, and Maggot. <laughs> oh my God, there's a what, Maggot figure. What a wave. It's bonkers. It's so good. I love it for us. Yeah, you, you can find this. It went up for pre-order on Hasbro Pulse. It's also wherever you get your action figures, you can probably find it. If you need help finding a link, hit up at Agent M on Twitter. I'll, I'll direct you to where to go because... I want them to do more waves like this. This is so good. The fact that we're getting a Bonebreaker Build-A-Figure and we have Maggot. It's 2022. What a year. It is the 20th anniversary of Marvel Legends. It's going to be a good-ass year, y'all. So, Ryan, I don't know if you know this, mm. but Monday is Valentine's Day. <gasps> and what? I've got to prepare. But Valentine's Day also means there's going to be some Valentine's Day content coming to Marvel.com. 
uh, courtesy of our pal Rachel Page. She's going to have a gear roundup based around Valentine's Day. So if you're looking for something to get before Monday, definitely go check out that post over on marvel.com and keep your eyes peeled for some content that will warm the cockles of your cold, dead heart. Yeah, warm them up. All right, it is time now for our interview. And this week, we have Marvel Senior Vice President of Business Development and New Initiatives, Mr. Dan Fink. Uh, you may not know Dan by name, but you've probably seen or heard uh, stuff that Dan has worked on and been a part of. We're going to be talking about his work with Vivi, the digital collectibles company. We're going to be talking about his work with Marvel Audio, helping to kick off the Marvel fiction podcast boom that we're currently in. So yeah, we lots of cool stuff to talk about we wanted to bring dan on and, and we'll get into it let's talk to dan right now lorraine you are part of an illustrious club of those i've shared an office with and today our guest on the show is someone who is also part of said club it is mr daniel fink hello dan hey ryan hey lorraine welcome that was a that was a good office it was a good office we had a good lunch culture that's the key. So you knew to not eat broccoli in the office with Ryan. <laughs> we were just like, what's the most unhealthy thing can we go get for lunch right now? Let's do it. Ugh. Those were good old days. That was the goal of the day. I miss lunches. Those were good days. But look, that's not what we're here to talk about. Dan, you have come onto the show because you've helped spearhead us into some really cool digital collectibles with our partners at Vivi. We're going to talk about that and so a whole bunch more. But first things first. We got to ask, what's your Marvel origin story? How'd you first get connected with the Marvel characters and stories and all that? I start off as an X-Men fan, like many people from my generation, watching the TV show in the 90s. That got me really spurred. My brother was really into comics, so I started dipping into a little comics and Spider-Man comics back in the early 90s as well. But being a TV and film junkie, it was um, really the cartoon and then eventually the film's I remember specifically like seeing X2 in the theaters. I know Marvel Studios did not make that, but that movie is as good as it gets. And I was kind of hooked after that. Nice. And how long have you been at Marvel? And for folks who don't know what you do, what do you do at Marvel? So I'm now, I guess it's six and a half years. So I guess for the last four years, my focus has been looking at where can we find new audiences? Where can we take our cool stories and great characters to different perches and to different mountaintops? And as any business must do, where's new areas to grow revenue? Hence the business development part of my title. It's super fun because you get to venture to uh, new domains that have not been looked at yet. Nice. So I think my first foray into anything of looking into new opportunities for Marvel was about five years back, taking what the two of you have been doing with this show and saying, well, how can we really grow a really giant audio business? And that was when things like Homecoming, as well as Serial, were starting to come out. And I was like, well, we should be in podcasting. Like, we have amazing stories, amazing characters. And while we've done stuff decades, way before my time with Bill Murray in terms of scripted audio, I was like, this is where we need to be. And sure, that's really easy just to think about that. But my job was figuring out how to get from A to Z. And so, yeah, from there, and obviously we've now built an awesome podcast business and great stories and amazing scripts where I've gotten to interact with from a creative perspective, but also just help figure out how to get it made. I was just going to add that you, Dan, I think were the first person who introduced me to Benjamin Percy. And now I adore 
Ben Percy, mm-hmm. because he was the writer for those early Wolverine podcasts we did. Yeah, Ben's a dear friend. We send Christmas presents and holiday presents and presents to each other's kids. I met Ben through producing Wolverine the Long Night. And the first thing that jumped off the page with Ben for me was just his passion, his love. But we also saw eye to eye and similar content that we loved. And he's got the greatest voice on the planet. I'm like, well, I I need to talk to this guy every day for the next two years. So let's work with Ben. (laughs) Ben does have the best voice ever. He does sound like Wolverine in real life. um, Very much so. I remember meeting him at C2E2 and being like, that seems like it's Wolverine. He's wearing a plaid (laughs) flannel. It could be. Um, (laughs) He has the facial hair. I don't know. I'm just, I'm putting it out there. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about podcasts since we're doing it. Now we've entered this whole new world where we have Marvel's Wastelanders, which is epic from Star-Lord and Hawkeye. And now currently um, the Black Widow series is running. How did Marvel's Wastelanders come about? Wastelanders. So obviously that was the big show that we pitched to SiriusXM as part of the partnership that we have with them now. And Wastelanders, I think this is also to stem from what worked really well for the Wolverine series, which was really intimate stories where our main hero, we really get to see the human side of them a lot. So with that, we leaned a lot on, um, we saw the old man universe as kind of where we wanted to get to with Wastelanders. And then we got to go off in the races and start making them, especially starting with Mr. Percy. Yeah. It's got to be fun for you to look at it and see how things just keep growing and growing. Oh, it's awesome. And look, I used to be so creatively hands-on. At this point, we had set, we have amazing people working on it. All the creative talent that's working on it, the writers and directors, they love it. And that's what counts. If you have the passion, generally great things happen. Heck yeah. Well, speaking of uh, great new things happening, let's talk a little bit about Vivi. For anyone who doesn't know Vivi, what is it? How do you get into it? That whole spiel. So first time I met Vivi was almost three years ago now, and they were this little startup out of New Zealand. And at the time, I was looking at other digital collectible opportunities. What was amazing about them compared to some of the other competitors in the field was they really love collectibles. And you can tell their CEO, David Yu, he owns a bunch of different collectible shops in New Zealand, and that's physical collectibles. So he knew a ton of our artists that we work with, uh, could talk about everything from statues to comics, the whole nine yards. So just his love and knowledge about the space. It wasn't just about, hey, I'm seeing this new bubble emerge. Let me hop in and make a lot of money. It was the opposite. It was like, hey, I've been doing this for years. And now with where the world's turned where, hey, kids are going on Fortnite. Those kids, adults too, are going on Fortnite and paying all this money to get cool outfits for their avatar. I think this world of digital collectibles is only going to continue to grow. And he was right. So yeah, they had the right mindset. And then the other thing that was amazing was, um, I I think from a user experience and their user interface, sure, they're still really early and it's, uh, it's, everyone's a bit green, but they, they got it right away. Like this is, this is fun. You have your showroom and how you can decorate it and connect to the social made the collecting experience feel tangible. And I was like, Hey, let's figure out how we can work together. Yeah. And to your point about them kind of getting it and actually being collectibles, you look at the suite of brands that is on VV, not just Marvel. And of course, having Marvel on there is, is, you know, the jewel and the crown for anybody. But there's cool Ghostbuster stuff that I've looked at a couple of times when I've popped into the app or what have you that makes sense. If you are into collectibles, you're probably going to find something, you know, that 
halo effect of looking at this then brings you to look at this and look at this and with that all in mind what are some of the the marvel digital collectibles that you could find on vb sure so we've had our collectibles and comics being sold on vb since august i would say we have three different major products right now for the statues we have premium statues they're comparable to what in terms of detail i'd say of like a sideshow or a diamond select statue uh so really high-end beautiful 3d statues then we have a more fun line, which is a little bit more of a, this is an industry term, but like the formed faces where it's uh, more bobblehead-like, which we call Marvel Mighties, a new brand we created just for Vivi. So with the premium line, which we dropped, I think October 9th, of course, we led the way with Spider-Man. And then I want to say it was about two weeks later, we dropped our first Mighty statue line where we dropped um, the line for a Captain America. And so since then, we've just been off on the races. And then on the other side of the fence, we, of course, we are a comics company. So we're dropping about two comics per week. Uh, We're looking at some of our classic, really well-known comics with generally first appearances of characters, first appearance of outfits, notable events. And so, yeah, that's about twice a week. And what's fun about it is for all this stuff, there's a blind box with usually five different levels of rarity in the comics, each with a different comic covers. And it just it creates a fun experience for collecting. It's nice about the blind box. It's a little bit more democratic, right? If you didn't have the blind box, then you're going to charge the highest price point for the most rare. And then it's really only about the rich guy who could buy it. And now it makes it a little bit more fair. And uh, it's more like trading cards where you don't know what's going to be in the pack, but you hope to do the chase and, and get the most rare one. But either way, you're still getting a great piece of art or uh, a great comic to read. There was a recent... I think it just dropped Spidey and his amazing friends, some of the Marvel mighties and someone on Twitter knows that my daughter loves that cartoon so much and knows that I, you know, I have Vivi and I'm a fan of it and was like, yo, got to check these out. And I, I missed the drop, but there's also a marketplace. So if you miss the opportunity to get it when they first come out, hit those blind boxes or whatever, you, you're not out of luck. You can always get your hands on them. Yeah. That's what's nice because I'm just going to compare it to comics now. It's much harder sometimes if a comic sold out and you come in a few weeks late to go find that comic. Sure, you could go on eBay, but the secondary marketplace, it's all in one place. So it's one single destination. So to your point, Ryan, if you miss out just a few hours later, you could go into their marketplace. And yes, it might be trading for a premium, the specific product you want, but it is attainable. And look, the prices change every night and every day. So hopefully if you want a specific item, one day it comes down to the price that you can afford and get it. By the way, if your your daughter and my son should hang out, if they're both spying amazing friends. friends. <laughs> you know, it's been really cool to see all the kinds of different stuff that's come through. Like I missed Throg, which I was very sad about. And there's been just some really cool stuff. What have been some of your favorite items that have hit the marketplace or, or have come out on VV? Throg was up there because <laughs> it was just, I'm talking about a deep cover character right there. And um, we're like, we don't know how the market's going to respond because unless you're like deep Marvel fans, most people aren't going to know who Throg is. But he's just so fun. I mean, anytime you get to use anything with like animals, it's fun. It's no different than people spending hours watching dog and cat videos on YouTube. It's just like (laughs) deep down inside kind of warms all of our hearts. But um, Alligator Loki, to stay on the animal topic, was, I mean, talk about an amazing TV series. That was super fun. I thought this, I know you mentioned the Spider-Man Mighties. I think they're just stunning. And then lastly, I'd say it was really fun around the holidays dropping both Holiday Deadpool because we got to be creative and really making it as cheesy as possible in the best way possible. 
as well as uh, we did Christmas Tree Groot. And we created a little jingle and some music for it. It was just, we all got to be kids again. That's the best. And for anybody who hasn't checked it out, you can find Vivi on your app store and online and everything. But there's a component to it, like a sort of AR component where you could take the, if you have a statue, you can take the statue and place it in a photo. Like I've taken a lot of pictures of my kid with a Spider-Man that I got. And she just likes to look back at her hanging out with Spider-Man, which is a real neat thing. Or if you get some of the comics on Vivi, you can read the comics, which is cool. And I, the community is something that I think we've talked about here on Twim before. The community is really excited. They are really into it. They are really all about building each other up in a lot of ways. I've seen a lot of positivity come across just my own feed from VV fans who are excited about the new drops, upcoming things, finding things for other people. So that part is is really rad to see as well. Super, super passionate uh, fan base. What's fun is sometimes Vivi will do these little hints to get the community curious and guessing what the next drop is. For Throg, they just sent a photo of uh, a swamp. <laughs> and it was like, guess what it is? And they're like, what? So they'll do hints on their social channels. And the community just has the best time trying to figure out what the next drop is based off their small little hints. So what's the best way to keep up with Vivi and to participate? Do you download the app or where do you follow along to get those sorts of little hints and things? Definitely the easiest way is starting with downloading the Vivi app. Uh, it is on both iOS and Android. And then, yes, I would follow Vivi's uh, Twitter handle, as well as if you don't follow Marvel's Twitter handle, start following Marvel's Twitter handle, where we both market out each upcoming drop. Vivi uh, will then also share, they have a blog, a Medium blog, and it's shared on their Twitter feed as well that gives more details about each drop, so the amount of units, the price point, talking about the artistry, the amount of rarities, etc. And it's Vivi underscore official over on the Twitter. Dan, before we let you go, is there anything we can tease about future projects that you've been cooking up? I know there's one that you and I have been working on that is is getting close to starting to be a real fun thing. I'm very excited for I'm sure there's tons more I don't even know about. I'll give a two-part answer. One for the VV fans out there. We definitely don't want to just rinse repeat, so it won't just be premium statues and mighties and comics. We are definitely looking at expanding the program to a lot more fun things. So a lot more to come in 22 with different types of products. The other thing that we're pretty excited about, Ryan, and I know you're... you're your key component of it is we are about to start exploring the world of fitness, especially running. And we are going to be doing a partnership real soon with a company by the name of Six to Start, who's owned by a fitness company called Olivex, where think of it very much as gamified audio fitness runs, where you get to run alongside some heroes and the rest you will need to wait to discover in the future. That's awesome. This is way better than being chased by zombies. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Six to Start has an app called Zombies Run, which is, I think, Lorraine, what you're, you're mm. referencing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if everyone always wants to be chased by zombies. I mean, it's a I good get motivator. It. Do. Good motivator. Yeah. I'll tell you Gets that. you moving. Run or Gets die. Moving. And that's the only way I'll run. So, that, that also makes sense for me. <laughs> sometimes you just got to save the day, which also means you got to sprint. There you go. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us, Dan. Everybody, go check out Vivi. Go get that Vivi app. Go get that goodness. And uh, I'll keep my eye out for Throg. 
<laughs> you can do it. I believe. Thanks. You. Thank you both. There you have it. Definitely go check out the VV app so you can get those digital collectibles. And of course, you can keep up with Marvel Audio and we'll keep you posted here on This Week in Marvel and go check out the SXM app or the Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts where we have all of our wonderful potty pod pods. Yeah. Speaking of amazing Marvel pods, let's talk about our guest next week because we'll have on Nick Stone, host of the History of Marvel Comics Black Panther podcast. She is a true triple D, a ding dang delight. And she's coming on to talk about Black Panther and, and her just love of Marvel and all kinds of fun stuff. Reminder, we also have her on Marvel's pull list talking about Killmonger comic this week. So lots of great Nick Stone stuff as we get ready for the history of Marvel Comics Black Panther. With that in mind, our question of the week is an easy one. What's your favorite Black Panther story? You can uh, choose from comics or there's animation, of course, the film. There's plenty of great Black Panther stuff to talk about. You know what mm. is really great? Honestly, we are doing a Wakanda week next week on Marvel HQ, where we're going to be playing some full episodes of Marvel's Avengers Assemble from season five, which was all Black Panther's quest themed, which have some great stuff with Black Panther, with Shuri, with Adora Milaje. It's so fun. And of course, him interacting with the Avengers, um, with Adventures in Wakanda. It's a really fun series. And I, I think we often forget about the great animation that we've done. So I'm going to shout that out. But of course, also like The Client is one of the most iconic stories of all yeah. times. And it has a special place in my heart because it also lives within a special era in my life. <laughs> for sure. For sure. My my go-to tends to be the Black Panther Secret Invasion storyline. That's mm. a, I think it's a three-issue story that was written by Jason Aaron, art by Hefte Palo. And it's about the the Skrulls coming to Wakanda and how Black Panther and Storm and the rest of Wakanda fight back. And it is it it gives me chills. It's so good. It's something I've read probably like three or four times, which when I read a lot of comics every week, that says a lot because I don't have a lot of time to reread stuff. It's so good. But then, you, you know, you talk about. All the Christopher Priest run. There's so many great stories in there. How about Coates? I mean, his work is so defining of Wakanda yeah. in the modern era. I just don't know that there's anything like it. And, you know, for so long, we've only gotten glimpses of Wakanda. And, it, you know, we often see Black Panther in the United States and in the context of the Avengers. And I really love what he did to build the world out, especially in like a post 2000s era. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's amazing stuff in the 70s. Um, there's, you know, defining stuff that uh, we talk about with Nick Stone. And there's, of course, the current series by John Ridley and Juan Cabal that is phenomenal, but it's still building and still growing. I hope everybody gets on that, gets on board that story right now. There's so much to choose from. So we want to hear from you. What is your favorite Black Panther story? You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please, please, please always make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show with every message you send. Yeah, let's get into some community. Our question of the week last week was, if you time traveled to the year 2099, what's the first thing you would do? And Maru Holloway at Maru Holloway said, of course, I'd go look for Miguel O'Hara and tell him he's my favorite Spider-Man. Aw, he's pretty great. Che at Resonance Owl tweets, become Miguel O'Hara's guy in the chair. Oh, yeah. 
Miguel's guy in the chair is his like AI kind of, but everybody could use a good guy in the chair. Yeah, totally. Jane at Solanese says, watch all of the MCU films and miniseries that will be released in 2022 so that when I come back to 2022, I already know what's going to happen. Lol, won't spoil anything though, which is very kind yeah, of you, Jane. You mean you might as well just see how this whole thing plays sure. out. Just go to 2099, watch all of the movies that ever have existed thus far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tell Do us it. what happens in phase 20. I want to know. <laughs> uh, Jason M at M Jason 86 tweets, memorize every lottery winning number, World Series winner, and Super Bowl winner. Return to the OG timeline and bet everything I've got. So basically, you're going to back to the future to it. I was going to say, <laughs> that's a real biff move. Oh. All right, next up, Sue Worthington at Susan Spry says, check out five years of rollover lottery numbers, then dial back that time machine clock, buy a lottery ticket, and start looking for an island to buy. For my first of many, island cat sanctuaries. Yes, I knew it would happen one day. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Honestly, use your money to save the kitties. That sounds I great. It. I love it. Chris Buckner at Atomic Buckner says, find out if we finally get legit hoverboards. Come on, 2099, they better have some friggin' hoverboards. If we don't have flying cars by 2099, I mean, I'm out of here. I'm not even going to stick around yeah, for you it. Will be... I'll be 120, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, Jillian at Skychaser81 says, the first thing I do is search for ice cream because surely humanity's love and joy for ice cream would transcend decades. If not, I'm traveling back. <laughs> Can I give a shout out to my favorite ice cream? Shout out to Bellevale Creamery, which is in the Hudson Valley. It's in Warwick, New York. It is a farm and creamery, and they're open from like April to October. And my favorite ice cream, hands down, is their calf tracks. A lot of places have like cow tracks, various tracks. And mm -hmm. it's got like these little chocolate peanut butter cups and swirls of different things. And their vanilla is perfect. And then you merge it with all this stuff. It is the best ice cream in the history of the world, if you have any chance to go to Bellevale Creamery this spring or summer, please do. We have two amazing ice cream shops here locally. We have Blue Pig, which is iconic here in the Hudson Valley in Croton, New York. But we also have Hudson Creamery in Peekskill. I love it. That's been This Week in Ice Cream. Serena's at Serena's IDK said, I would use it for science and try to find out how it is possible and question if theories are real and, and how we have gone so far in the future. Did we find treatments for sickness and is humanity happy in future years? Yeah, you know what? That's a great point. Like, did they cure cancer? Bring it on back, baby. All right, we got an email in here from Jake Bolton. Jake says, if I was able to go to 2099's time, I would find a scientist to give me powers. There has to be somewhere you can go for that. All right, this is an email from Grayson Woznesensky. They said, the first thing I would do is go to Wakanda. Oh my gosh, that's a great point. Because if Wakanda, like, if the 2099 greater world is like pretty cool, oh Wakanda God. would be killing it. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, we definitely need some Wakanda 2099 comics. There's a Marvel Knights Black Panther 2099. It's Kashamba is the king of Wakanda in 2099. But I don't know much about the mm. actual world. So I know we do have a Black Panther in 2099. But we're going to have to go back and explore that. Grayson, you're going to have to be our scout. Go check it out. Let us know how it goes. We got an email from Evan Davies who says, uh, and this is in response to our question of the week from a few weeks ago about the Marvel Studios Moon Knight trailer. 
Evan says, hello from... Hello from Australia. Sorry, Evan. I won't do that again. Hello from Australia. I love your podcast. And my answer to what was your initial reaction to the Marvel Studios Moon Knight trailer was pure happiness that such a brilliant, deserving Marvel character was finally getting the spotlight. I have to say, first and foremost, Ryan, I know that Australian folks love when you do a Cockney accent and say you're Australian. (laughs) I love Australia. I'm going to go back. I would like to go for a first time. Okay, well, before we end this episode, we wanted to give a proper send off to someone who's been really important to us here at This Week in Marvel and the greater Marvel family for the last 15 or so years, our now former boss, Stephen Wacker, and we're going to ring him up and and give him a a proper goodbye. Beep boop, beep boop, 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 ring, 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 Stephen Wacker's phone, ring, 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 the ghost of Stephen Wacker's phone, ring, ring, ring. Hello? Hi, hi, it's Lorraine Ryan from This Week in Marvel. Remember us? Yeah, I sure do. Lorraine and Ryan (laughs) from This Week in Marvel. Hello. My goodness. Steven Wacker, it has been ages. How are you in your post-Marvel life? Well, ever since I left Marvel, things have really taken a downward spiral. (laughs) I'm alone. I'm sad. I'm on the street. But I'm still making mine Marvel or as much as I can and listening to This Week in Marvel whenever I get the chance. Well, let's unpack your bindle on a stick um, that you're carrying sadly <laughs> down the road, listening to the Hulk theme song from the old TV show. <laughs> what is your Marvel origin story? What was the first way that you interacted with Marvel? The uh, first Marvel book I really remember is Marvel 2-in-1, number 50 with an awesome George Perez cover story by John Byrne. And it is still in my mind, the greatest, most economic encapsulation of what a Marvel story uh, is. It's the thing versus the thing. And it's about Ben Grimm going back in time to meet himself, to stop him from becoming the thing. And in 17 pages, Byrne just gives you everything about the Marvel universe, big ideas sort of whittled down to a very personal story that's heartbreaking by the end and a hero that has to figure out how to keep moving forward despite the weight of his history in life. It's really a great comic book that I think you can still hand anybody. But that's the first one I remember. I read it like crazy. Around the same time Shogun Warriors started, which was about a licensed book with giant robots. So both of those together like really made me a Marvel fan. I remember I got a copy of Marvel 2-in-1 number 50 as a reprint later on when I started getting into comics. And I remember having that same reaction, like this is something special. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's kind of a perfect issue, which everybody can read on Marvel Unlimited. So Steve, you have just recently said your goodbyes to Mighty Marvel, but I started in October, 2006. When did you start at Marvel and uh, how'd you come to be at the House of Ideas? I started 15 years ago, uh, started in the Brevoort office. I had known Tom because I was the assistant editor on the Avengers JLA crossover. So I knew Tom through that and a couple other things. I didn't know Joe. Casada. Yeah, Casada or uh, Dan Buckley or, you know, the other folks. So through some interviewing process, got to know them and they uh, invited me over. So then you started at Marvel. You came on over. What were your publishing hits? What were some of your favorite books and projects you got to work on when you were in editorial? I, I knew I was going to edit Spider-Man. So I knew that's what they were bringing me over for. I was admittedly more of a DC guy gr- growing up, though I had my Marvel books that I followed. Spidey was one, Daredevil, a few others. 
So I knew the world, but uh, I didn't understand sort of the, this is like I'm making a pun, but I'm not, I can't think of a better word, like the, the responsibilities that came with editing uh, Spider-Man. And it was on that first day that they told me they wanted to take the book three times a month, if not more. Certainly getting that Spidey book out three times, often five times a month for three or four years, uh, was a huge accomplishment and got me to meet some great writers and artists, Dan Slott, and Marcos Martin, and Steve McNiven. But being a part of the Spidey world certainly has got to be the highlight. Other books, obviously, there's the Fraction and David Aja Hawkeye run. There's Daredevil that we won an Eisner Award for. There's little books along the way, like we did a book called One Month to Live, which was a, a weekly miniseries that Rick Remender was sort of the captain of about somebody who gets superpowers, but they're killing him over the course of a month. He told a really great story there. From there, I got to move over to animation and work on a bunch of art kids animated series like Avengers and Hulk and Spider-Man and all that stuff. Got to work in our live TV division for a while until eventually coming back to digital media where I get to work on a scripted podcast and I get to make some of our hosts interview me on our uh, unscripted <laughs> podcasts. Oh no, we have a script that you wrote. <laughs> this is a little deviation, but... I feel super lucky having come over to the the digital side, just because the team here, both on audio and the video dev team and you guys on the creative side is just so, so strong. But I've been super lucky. I know I'm off the question you actually asked, Lorraine, I'm sorry. But it does feel like I've been super lucky to work in a lot of different areas of this company. I want to bring up some of Steve's greatest hits in my book. Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel both came around under your tenure. You really like, you know, allowed those two books to come into the world. And those are two really important characters for women today. So kudos to you on that. That was a blast. Thank you. The Ms. Marvel one in particular was just super fun because it came to life just out of the conversation with uh, Sana Amanat, who was an editor in my office. I mean, I, I was more the chief instigator of that book as she and Willow and Adrian sort of built it up. But that one was particularly fun. Thank you for that. Those were those were two books I was super proud of and glad to be connected to. And my last one is Marvel HQ because you let me work on it and it makes me really happy. You're doing great. There's so much good stuff up on that YouTube channel. That's been a real fun creative outlet the past few years because you're sort of reaching that audience of kids who don't have any cynicism or that they just want to see the superheroes doing cool stuff or they're fine with sort of having fun with them too. I love all that. That's that's youtube.com slash Marvel HQ. He still got it. <laughs> wow. What a showman. I want to say thank you. You, I've only written one thing for Marvel comics wise, and it was a four pager for our 2008 holiday special. And you let me do a silly little scroll holiday, sad story. And, and told me a little bit about storytelling back when I was still two years within my time at Marvel and, and in the, in comics really. And so I thank you for that, Steve. That was, of fun. course, you are a very, uh, humble man, but I always have been a fan of the way you think about comics, the way you talk about storytelling, the, the way I've listened to you discuss it in, in rooms like the creative retreats, talking to it with Lorraine and myself and others on our, our digital side, or just like, reading a letters page and seeing the things you have to say or watching you build a team 
especially on the comic side. And yeah, you say you're the main instigator, but there is a certain skill and thought that has to go into building that right team and steering a ship and being invisible about it and taking it like Brevoort says, you know, you take all the blame for these things and none of the credit. And I, I think you've left a really strong mark on Marvel storytelling over the last 15 years. So we thank you for that. Thank you very much. It was a nice thing to say. You know, I feel like because I've been editing our motion comics for Marvel HQ, that I learned a lot from you. I learned a lot about how to speak to creators with kindness and support. I learned a lot about when to note things and when to let things go, which is hard because I feel like it's easy to note everything and it's easy to note nothing, but it's really hard to just note the things that are important. And I definitely learned that from you. And I also learned that I have to check everything, even if I don't want to. Yeah. Because <laughs> things will sneak by you. <laughs> I used to say all the time, I hated when the books came, when you got printed copies, because my eyes would go immediately on mistakes and know that's when you find them, when it's way, way too late. But Lee Rainier, right. De dealing with talent, I think I think where some people go wrong on the noting side of things is just assuming that they're smarter than the creators or that they figure stuff more like, I assume going into everything that the creators we're working with have the best of intentions. And it's all, you know, I take everything in good faith. And sometimes they can see things that you don't. I don't think any of us have a key to how to tell stories the right way. And my eyes have been opened up so many times I think about Kelly Sue specifically, like I had issues with her structure on things. And even she would say she had issues with structure. But then when you walk away from a little bit, I saw her doing things in Captain Marvel that sort of broke the eggshells a little bit. And I think she was right, ultimately. Wonderful stuff. It's going to be weird without you, Steve. I'll be honest. But uh, I'm happy for you. And we will miss you. Thanks, buddy. This was super, a super difficult decision, but... I'm hoping for some fun stuff, and I look forward to seeing what everybody here does. I look forward to sending an email to Dan Buckley begging to come back, uh, being told no. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, be careful with your bindle walking on the side of the road. We'll be thinking now, yeah? Thank you. All right. Big thank you to Steven now in his retirement from all entertainment. He's just going to sit on his millions of dollars he's invested in baseball stocks. I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Baseball socks? Baseball socks. Yep. He's invested yep. in baseball right. socks, made a ton of money, and now um, that's what he's doing with his life. He's not working in any other field of entertainment. Thanks, Steve. Have a great life. All right. That's it for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Gamma Radiated Ice Cream. Hulk out with a brain freeze. It's gamma radiated ice cream. Get it at your local science lab ice cream house. Hulk scoop. <laughs> that was good. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Can you say this week in Marvel? We in Marvel. So good. You're getting even better with it. Donuts.